Hello and welcome back to another episode of Marketing, Management, and Money. I am your host, Ryan Murray. And I'm your host, Ryan Owens. So today we're going to talk about something that's uh, very pertinent to kind of the situation that's going on. Most of the time when we take on an episode, we try and do more evergreen content because we want to make sure that as you're listening to these episodes that, you know, you can you can come back to them and listen to them at any stage of your business and they're going to have some value for that. And we're definitely going to cover some things that are going to be evergreen in nature. But we're going to kick off with a little bit of something that has uh, pretty much affected the entire world. And that is that there has been this pandemic going on with uh, COVID-19. It's shut down a lot of things. And what I really want to talk about, I don't want to talk about the pandemic. That, that's, that's not at all where, where I want to spend you know the, the conversation today. But the economic impacts that have hit small businesses because of of this this pandemic and and so that's that that's where I want to take this today sure so one of the things that I want to point out and I think that this is fundamental and foundational to this whole discussion is the fact that sure this is this is a global crisis this has affected millions of people probably maybe billions of people oh yeah easily billions oh, okay <laughs> affected in some way shape or form whether that's their livelihood or otherwise it's definitely touching billions of lives <laughs> right and i want to look at how many small businesses just flat out got shut down yeah and you know, so here in the United States, and, and I apologize, I haven't really delved into what every single country is doing in response to this, but I can only imagine that it's that it's very similar. But here in the United States, we pretty much have shut down all of the restaurant industry, all of the tourism industry. Uh, I just, uh, you know, I, I remember that there was a, a health and beauty where they pretty much said, okay, that's all going to be shut down. And, you know, so here we are, we're a couple months afterward, people are starting to crawl out of their hole. You know, we've uh, we've survived the, the great pandemic of, of 2020. People are starting to crawl out of their hole. But those industries were just pummeled. Like, sure. you know, the government came in and, and shut them down. And, and sure, they, they said some things like, hey, you know, we want you to, uh, you know, use takeout uh you know, takeout uh, and delivery from restaurants, and, and I'm like, that's that's cool and all, but that's, you know, that that, that that's like less than a band aid. It's yeah, you're still slashing their whole, the economics of their whole industry. Yeah, I mean that you can't profit from bringing in <laughs> super small amounts of food for that limited amount of delivery and having your employees work extra hard to make those deliveries in and out of the building and it just doesn't make sense financially. Yeah. And, and, and it's just tough. And the, the thing that I want to get to, you know, that I was saying is fundamental is that whereas this is wide scale, this is, you know, this, this is a big deal oh, for sure. However, small businesses face this same thing on a small scale all the time. You know, you'll have a situation where you might have a local flood that is just 
absolutely going to destroy your business or you get caught in an earthquake or, you know, there's civil unrest or economic unrest or, you know, something that comes in and just completely decimates your business. And so I kind of want to talk about not just what we're doing today as the world is recovering from this pandemic, but I really want to talk about what it is that you as a business can do to you know, safeguard yourself and to recover if you're one of those unfortunate ones that got blindsided, you know, it's just you're you're walking down the street and all of a sudden, you know, a freight train comes and just boom, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You, you can't blame that and say, well, you know, you should have you should have managed better. It's like, well, you know, there's only so much you can do. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm sorry, but I didn't anticipate a meteorite coming and crushing me. Yeah. How do I manage better? You know, so yeah. th- this this isn't necessarily a um, preventative management, but it's a recovery management. So I want to talk today about recovery management in your small business and, you know, the different steps that you can do to to help with that. Awesome. And I think it's such, uh, like you said, it's such a relevant topic for businesses, no matter what stage uh, our economy is in or what stage their business is in. It's definitely something that you'll want to use throughout the the life cycle of your business. You know, as you continue to grow and mature as a business, you'll want to continue to put these placeholders in place or these thresholds in place to help the structure and foundation of your business be secure and, mm-hmm. and sound as you're, as you're growing. Because these aren't just, this isn't like, um, necessarily just preparing you food storage in your, <laughs> your personal life. Right. Yeah. This is like, okay, let's, let's, make sure that the supports of our business, the hypothetical supports of our business are are solid, that they're constructed properly. Mm-hmm. You know, going back and double checking your, again, your, your hypothetical blueprints, making sure that you are on point, making sure that you add some of those safeties and securities, those safeguards in place, even if it is after the fact of when you, when you should have done it in the first place, because we're all busy, right? Yeah. We all always have something going on. There's always something coming up and it's so easy to be like, Oh man, I'll get to that later. I mean, it's just like in your personal finances, if you're not making conscious effort to set aside money for a 401k or have an emergency fund or pay off debt or, you know, pay off student loans, put extra money towards X, Y, and Z. There's always, 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 always something you can do with that money. Yeah. You know, your, your lifestyle will always grow. Mm-hmm. And, and that same thing rings true for your business. There will always, and, and, and I think even more so in small business and entrepreneurship, there's always exponentially more options um, of things you can do with, with any extra amount of money or, new income that you have. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, some great points were brought up there and I just want to refresh, uh, the, the memory of some of our listeners. Uh, if you want to go, we did a whole episode when this first started to, uh, you know, to unravel the, the, the whole, you know, the whole crisis started to unravel. And, and we did an episode back in, in March that was managing your business despite chaos. And we really talked about how to safeguard your business, how to keep a cool head, how to manage correctly. 
And, you know, a ton of information there. I want to take it to the next level. Let's do it. And I want to take it at this point. So let's assume that you did everything right. You know, you played by the the rules. You 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 had you know you had your cash flow in check. Your balance sheet was organized. You were doing everything right, and all of a sudden you find yourself completely out of business. And so I I want to talk about some some fundamentals that you can always fall back on to help you rebuild if you've been decimated. And so. Kind of not not the lightest topic that we're going to cover, yeah, but an important one nonetheless. Sure. So, the first thing that I want to point out is, in times of crisis, there's always someone who is still making money, for sure. And that that's an important concept for small businesses to realize is that there's always somebody out there who is, you know, that they are actually doing a little bit better off because of this crisis, regardless of what the crisis is. You know, I mean, right now we're talking about recovering from the COVID-19, but, you know, if there's an earthquake, if, if there's a flood, if there's, you know, a lightning bolt that comes, I, I don't know, but... <laughs> Just one lightning bolt. Just one <laughs> economic downfall. Yeah. The one, world goes underground. One, one, one lightning bolt. One lightning bolt. Into a big freaking lightning bolt, man. <laughs> the wrath of God. <laughs> <laughs> Boom! You know. But there, there's always someone who is making money off of that. And so the question is, is how and why? So here's the first anomaly that I, I think is important to point out. And that is that money doesn't necessarily disappear. Now, the concept of money will disappear. And I'm going to talk about that in a, in a second. That's a little bit high level. So just hold that thought. But tangible money itself does not disappear. And so it's changing hands. And so if all of a sudden you're no longer getting the money, who is? The interesting thing is if you study, you know, like depressions and different things like that, there are actually a lot of people who become very wealthy during economic downturns. And the reason why is because the money is changing hands. And a lot of times when you talk about depressions or recessions or, you know, these economic crises, the masses, the mass population are the ones that are, you know, losing the money. And you oftentimes will have minorities or a small population that will start to amass the money and they'll, you know, they'll take the money and, and they will actually profit from them. And so... If you're a small business trying to recover, the first thing that I would look at is I would look and say, okay, who out there is buying and what are they buying? You might have to reinvent yourself. You might have to take some of the experiences that you gained the first go around and say, all right, how am I going to, you know, how am I going to reinvent myself? And I think of some of these large companies you know, that uh, they, they've just done exceptionally well. You know, I just off the top of my head, I look at like IBM computers that, you know, they came out with a punch card system back in the early 1900s that was like the predecessor to computers. Yeah. And, you know, during World War II, 
that punch card system was in high demand to keep things yeah. organized. <laughs> yeah. And and they actually did really well despite the fact that everyone else, you know, was going through a depression and then right into a major war, you know, this company and and so you'll see BMW was another one that came out of kind of that time period where they 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 profited because they were making a lot of the motors that were going into these these war engines and and so you'll see a lot of these companies that you know I I look at uh, at, at General Electric you know they started out with electricity today they make most of their money off of medical devices and they're even into the finance sector. And so, you know, it, it's stuff that, you know, they, they've changed, they've pivoted, they've altered what they've done. And so when times of trial hit, they don't just sit there and say, well, we could make more light bulbs. You know, they, they, they start to expand and, and do a little right. bit more of, uh, you know, of, they, they broaden their their scope and they take the expertise that they have and they look and they say, okay, who's buying? How do I adapt to who's currently buying? Yeah, and I think that there are there's a lot of preparation that goes into that, right? Like it's not just anybody that can come into that. You talked about that there are that there are certain people that are positioned for that better than others. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and I, I think, and I'm sorry that I'm kind of, no, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of jumping in here. This to me is 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 a passion, and so you know, studying what people do when you know when it really matters to me is just fascinating. And so I I, I kind of jump in and cut you off. But you were no, it's okay. You were talking about being prepared, and it's like, yeah, if you had a strong business, what you still have, even if all of your assets are wiped out. If, you know, if, if your customer base is gone, what you still hold is you hold expertise, you hold a knowledge base of how to run that business, and you hold kind of a, uh, kind of this mental, emotional fortitude to rebuild. And those characteristics, that knowledge, those things, I mean, that's not easily come by. That's something that right. you really have to earn that. Um, And so people who have gone through very difficult times and they're still fighting, man, they, first off, my hat goes off to you. And secondly, it's, it's amazing to see what better ideas they can come up with, what new innovations they have, what better processes they are going to implement because it's a clean slate. It's a starting point where they're like, okay, I can do this, but this time I know what I'm doing. I'm prepared this time, even though I have to start from ground zero. Yeah. Well, and it's like, so I, I keep thinking of the metaphor of, of like a professional athlete or somebody training for an Olympic event. Okay. Um, well, let's, let's go with professional athletes. Uh, so say you, you're a college athlete and you're crushing it. You're at the top of your game and uh, you move into the NBA, and just when things start rolling with the NBA, all of a sudden they come out and, hey, we're uh, canceling the NBA. I don't know why they would do that. This is just hypothetical. <laughs> right. They're, we're canceling the NBA. Oh, and that so, happened just a couple months ago. <laughs> right. Well, touche. <laughs> so all of a sudden, you have these highly athletic, um, strong individuals mm-hmm. with nothing to do. 
you know, they, they're not playing basketball anymore. Uh, and so somebody that is trained to that level has a unique opportunity over somebody like myself who is never trained at that level if there is uh, a way for them to utilize their as skills. As soon as that door opens. Yeah, and it's, it's I mean, both he and I, so or this person in the NBA, uh, we can approach the same opportunity as soon as it opens, but if he's more well-prepared for it, he's going to take it. And I think that's exactly what you're saying, right? Mm-hmm. Is like as entrepreneurs, as small business owners, there are a lot of skills and experiences that we are having and growing. And yeah, we may not be having multi-million dollar contracts <laughs> to, to, you know, be an esthetician or uh, <laughs> auto mechanic or, or what have you. You but, never know. I mean, we've got some businesses out there that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, you're still, as, as long as you're pursuing and working toward uh, excellence and being at the top of your game and pushing a little bit further and harder, like many entrepreneurs and small business owners do, it's just in their nature, right? Mm-hmm. They drive for that in one way or another. Yeah. It doesn't always look the same, but so often you find that in small business owners. Um, but even if, like you're saying, even if this collapse happens or the rug gets ripped out from under us as small business owners, we're still prepared. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. We're still capable of doing something better than somebody else who hasn't necessarily gone through the rigors of starting a, uh, or going through a startup and turning it into a, a successful small business. And there's advantage to that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's a wise thing to keep your eyes open for more opportunities rather than getting stuck on, Oh man, like I just lost everything. And yeah. So, and that's something that, um, I, I really want to, uh, you know, if, if I'm, if I'm enumerating my points, this would be kind of my second big point is that the best opportunity doesn't come when everyone thinks it's an opportunity. It comes before everyone thinks it's an opportunity. So exactly. You know, if, if you're investing in something when it's hot, that's a bad investment. Yeah. <laughs> you want to invest in something before it's hot because you want all of the growth of getting, you know, getting up there. So if you're in a recovery, if, you know, if, if the markets have crashed, if your industry has crashed, you know, if, if things are recovering, what will happen is most people, human nature is to kind of withdraw, to hold back. But that's... The, the counterintuitive correct response is to actually jump forward. Now, there is some timing here because yeah. you can jump forward at the wrong time, you know. But a lot of times what will happen is and, and we're seeing it now, you know, we 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 went through this this COVID-19 crisis and we're starting to see uh, this 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 rebound, this rebuild. And I'm like, yeah, now's now's a good time to catch some opportunity because things are cheap. People are looking for work. The people are scared. They're looking for leadership. Mm-hmm. If you can provide leadership right now, then that's what they're going to be interested in. And if you can jump on that initially, then yeah. you're going to be the one leading. If you're going to wait until some other leader takes that risk, 
you're a follower. And and, and right. that's not a bad place to be unless you're trying to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, so I, I mean, I think it's an easy thing to reflect back in history and look at uh, the depression that occurred during the 1920s and 1930s and draw some uh, wise lessons from sure. that time as well. And, and they reflect some of the things that you're talking about, you know, um, when markets are down, things are cheap, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so if you have any liquid assets, yeah, it might be a time to branch out into something that you've been wanting to try, Yeah, you know, or you think might be successful now that the balance of cost versus barrier to entry kind of out or way against each other. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just like, there's so many different uh, examples that come up from that era, like um, KFC. Sorry, I couldn't think of it for a second. So uh, Colonel Sanders. Colonel Sanders. So he started selling chicken out of a gas, was it his gas station? I, I'm not familiar with his story. I, I think that he started, uh, I'll have to look it up, but I think that he started selling uh, chicken out of his gas station. Um, and, and this was during the depression era, right? Okay. Uh, so he starts selling his, this fried chicken out of his gas station. I'm pretty sure it was less than a decade later. He had like uh, almost a 200 seat restaurant uh -huh. or something like that. And, and again, this is because, and this is like from popular demand in the depression era when people didn't have money, when people were scraping by and, and that is so counterintuitive to me, right? Like people don't have food to put on their tables and this fast food restaurant or this, well, I guess a sit down restaurant was booming. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Then it's just super counterintuitive, but that's the thing with opportunities is like, people aren't looking at it as an opportunity, right? It's the people who are prepared, whether with experience or financially or both. Or or just courage. They're just ready to jump Try something in. New. Yeah. yeah. They see the costs are low or they see an opportunity to lead or an opportunity to serve and they just start doing it. Yeah. And it is like, uh, this is the depression and all of a sudden you're serving chicken? <laughs> like, mm, that yeah. might be the best time, bud. But, but it worked out great. It's, I mean, yeah, exactly. History, you know. history is what it is. Like how many, I don't even know how many franchised stores there are mm -hmm. or locations there are now, but getting into uh, I mean, it's, a KFC, it's, it's global. Yeah. Getting into a KFC or a McDonald's now, it's not a great investment compared <laughs> to had you invested in that back in the 1930s or 1940s. Yeah. You'd be. Your, oh my gosh, your grandchildren's <laughs> grandchildren would be all owning their own beaches in wherever. And yeah. Yeah. And so that kind of brings us to the, the third and final point that I want to make before we wrap up this episode. And I alluded to this earlier and I said that money just changes hands. And I said, but there's, there's kind of a concept of money that, that will change. And so I want to talk about that because, and I, I'm sure that there were some economists out there that were like calling my BS and they're like, money doesn't just change hands, you know, and I'm just like, I, I get it. I know. Let me, let me explain. And I'm going to explain this from a, uh, from a small business perspective. 
if you think about money, money is nothing more than a concept. Right. If you hand me a piece of paper that has a one on it, I only think that that's worth as much as I think I can trade it to someone else, you know. And so if you hand me a piece of paper that has a 50 written on it, Ooh, there's I can n- give this 50 to somebody else for something yeah, I, I mean, want. Wh- why is this worth more than the than the one? It just so happens that we all buy into the numbers. We're we're all believing that this has some value. So so this is kind of and economics overly simplified, I know. And there mm-hmm. there are some fundamental errors in what I'm explaining. It's this the is concept like the, I'm going this with. This is the okay? Pixar version. This is the Pixar version. <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> so if I uh, if that I, would never work in real life. I know, but it's a movie. <laughs> Just let it happen. If I go to you and I say, hey, Ryan, can I borrow 100 bucks?" Sure. Sweet. Write that down here. Hold okay. On. So you give me 100 bucks. I now have 100 bucks, But in your mind, you still think you have $100 because you're like, Oh, if I need a hundred dollars, I just go to Ryan, okay. yeah, and he pays me back my hundred dollars. Yeah. So by me asking for that money, the belief just doubled. Okay. Yeah. So so we yep. created two hundred dollars there because Correct. now I'm holding a hundred dollars, and you still, you know, you you write it down as you're like, sweet, I have an IOU for a hundred dollars. We just created two hundred dollars. Yep. In concept. Okay. Right. Then I go. And I purchase something with my $100. I go and buy some, you know, climbing gear. All right. And now the person that I bought the climbing gear from, they have $100. Mm-hmm. But me, I now have a $100 asset of the climbing gear. Right. And you have an IOU of $100. Okay. And so we now just created $300. You see where I'm going with this, right? And like I said, I'm oversimplifying it. There's a lot that's going on. But uh, then the person who manufactures the climbing gear, so the person who is, is going to sell that climbing gear, well, they've, they've got to order that. And they're ordering it on the belief that I'm going to buy it. Right. And so they went ahead and they ordered this ahead of time. And so they gave $100 to the manufacturer. And so that, you know, we're, we're at four times. And, and I get that there's, you know, some timing issue that I kind of overlooked there. Yeah. Don't get too technical. Right. Oh, well, con- yeah, of course. There's the costs and things that we're ignoring. We get that. But, uh, but, the, but concept. the concept is that that $100 feels like $400. Yeah. Okay. But the second that that store says, I don't think anyone's going to buy. I'm not buying from the manufacturer. He now shrunk it by $100. Well, then I go to the store to buy, and I find that the store doesn't have anything to sell. And so I'm like, uh, okay, well, then I'm not buying from you. And that shrunk it by another $100. And you come to me and you say, hey, I need my $100 back, and I have to pay you $100. And, and so the concept of the money can grow and the concept of the money can shrink. The actual number doesn't change. Doesn't change. Right. But the belief does. Mm -hmm. And so what will happen is during these tight times, people will believe that there is less money. Mm -hmm. How do you change that? By changing the belief. And that's a weird, it's kind of a high level concept. And we, I wish that we could go into this. In fact, maybe we should, maybe let's, let's pick it up next episode with some of these belief systems of money 
and how you can use that into your business. Uh, but for now, let's go ahead and wrap this one off. Uh, I just, I just want to say, go out there, be leaders, serve, have courage. I know it's tough. And if your business was one that got wiped out, we're sorry, you know, but at the same time, you didn't get wiped out. Yeah. So build from what you are. You're smarter, you're stronger, you, you're a better person, which means you can build a better business. Take care. We'll see you next week.